Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, you have picked a great day to be a part of what God is stirring among us and what we're going to learn. We're in week three of 14 and this conversation of origins. What, what are the foundations of what leads to a full and fulfilling life? Well, at the time, I was 25 years old. That was a while ago. And we were doing some painting in the house, getting the living room done. How many of you have painted something in your house at some point ever? You know what I'm talking about. Well, here's the reality. I was running out of paint. It, just, it, it, it was getting late. And, and I was trying to stretch it, and, and I'd have to work the next few days. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Like, you don't want to run out. I'm trying to stretch it. Finally, I'm just like, oh, because you don't want to do all the cleanup, and then several days later, start over for just a little bit. And I look at the clock, and I got fit. The store closes in 15 minutes, and it's like a 15-minute drive, but I know I can do it in 10. So I decide that's it. I jump in the car, and, and I, you know, Formula One it to the paint store. And I'm going to make it. And about a mile from the store, woo, woo, blue and red. Come on. Guy pulls me over, and he was a good guy, I'm sure. He's like, young man? Oh, boy. I caught you when you left your driveway. I watched you drive out like your house was on fire. I have chased you and could not catch you. Where are, what are you doing? Where are you going? Did someone die? I'm not quite, sir, but I ran out of paint. <laughs> that guy, I mean, he was so unsettled. You've been driving like that for paint? Well, oh, man, you know how annoying that is. You don't want to like clean it all up. I'm explaining it to him. He's out of his mind. I said, sir, we're just a mile away. If, if you're going to give me a ticket, oh, you're getting, sir, if we're going to do this, could we just drive up to the parking lot? Could you write it in the parking lot while I go in and get this? We have just enough time. He said, you are out of your mind. I regretted. Can you say the word with me? I regretted. I what? I regretted several of those decisions. That was a super expensive ticket. And the impact on my insurance, I greatly regretted. Let's talk about regret for a moment. I did some deep research, so I went to Wiki. And here's the definition. Regret is the sad, painful, negative emotion of wishing you had made a different decision in the past because the consequences, the what everybody, consequences of the decision we're unfavorable. Look awesome in the moment. I'm going to make it. I'm going to get paint. <sighs> it's not working out in my favor. How many? Just how many people have ever regretted something in your past? Something. Look around. Do it again. Do it again. Wherever you are, 12 Stone Home, online community, one of the campuses. If somebody doesn't have their hand up, you just met somebody who's going to die. Okay. Yeah, I don't care if it's big or small. I don't, it doesn't matter what you regret. 
the reality is you can't live in this world and not regret. But here's what captivated me. I was a student in college preparing to be a pastor. And one of the most arresting moments, I, I, it was memorable, is when we were studying Genesis 6. And I discovered that God regretted. God said he regretted that the sorrow of God due to the sin of mankind was so great, he regretted. Look at the scripture, Genesis 6, 5 to 6, because we're going to sit in the story of Noah and the flood and the ark today. And this is the setup. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted the Lord. What everybody regretted the Lord regretted that he had made man human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. Now, when God regrets, it's not the same thing. This is actually called anthropomorphic. It's a big word for saying God ascribed to himself human characteristics so that we would understand the weight of his sorrow. You have to keep it in context. In fact, I'll even read from my prof. Here's, here's if you will, this is the, the, the professor response to put in context. God cannot be grieved at anything he has done that would give the idea that he had made a mistake. But God wanted his people to know that the sorrow, the what everyone's sorrow and hurt he felt. Huh. God wanted his people to know the sorrow and hurt he felt. The free will he gave people took a route that moved them far away from their creator. And they became captives of evil. That sounds a lot like Jesus in the New Testament when he stood over Jerusalem. God in human flesh, this same God. Who's talking of his sorrow and grief. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, now God, the son leaving heaven, coming to earth in human flesh. Jesus Christ stands over Jerusalem and weeps. Oh, how I wish you would repent, but they would not. And so they will live with regret on earth and for all of eternity. This conversation of regret is at the center of the story of origins. And we just wonder in the midst of regret, here's the question that we ask, does God have a plan? I mean, I, th I think we wonder often when you come up against the reality of regret. So are we just going to spend all our time with we're in regret on earth? We're in regret for eternity. God experiences sorrow, divine regret in its right context. And that's it. That's the whole thing is just going to end up in regret. Or does God have a plan? And what we really want to know is what is God's plan? And that takes us to where we are in this teaching series, the Jesus Storybook Bible. We are leveraging this children's book that takes the Bible and translates the story in a way that children can hear it. And we're encouraging head of households, dads, moms, families, single dads, single moms, get in on this. Start every week family devotion. Get the word of God in your family. 
Get biblical knowledge upon which you can build biblical values, upon which you can build biblical decisions. Free yourself from fostering a regret and floods of regret in your future. Pour this into yourself and into your children. And if you're, if you're empty nester like Marsha and I, or, or, or if you're single, you'll still find value in this. Like, ah, it's a kid's book. Oh, you're going to be surprised. It's, it's powerful. We're giving those out at the campuses, but you can get your own on Amazon, 11 bucks. So, a new beginning. Let's look at the story. Time passed, and many people filled the earth. Everyone everywhere had forgotten about God and were only doing bad things all the time. God's heart was filled with pain when he saw what had happened to the world he loved. Everywhere was disease and death and destruction, all the things God hates most. Now Noah was God's friend, hey, which was odd in those days because no one else was. Noah listened to God. He talked to God. He just loved being with God like you do with your best friend. Noah, God said, things have gone wrong. People have filled my world with hate instead of love. They are destroying themselves and each other and my world. I must stop them. First, we'll build an ark. Hey, do you know how to build an ark? Neither did Noah. Luckily, God knew and he would show him. A storm is coming, God told Noah, but I will rescue. I will what everybody rescue you. I promise I'll, I'll send the animals to you. Ones that creep and crawl and slither and slime and gallop and hop and bound and climb. And don't forget to pack everyone's food. The storm was going to wash away all the hate and sadness and everything that had gone wrong and make the world clean again. God had thought up a way to Keep Noah safe, but Noah would have to trust God and do exactly what God told him. So Noah built an ark for short, very large boat. Noah's neighbors came out to watch and point and laugh because they didn't believe Noah about the boat or the storm or needing to be rescued. Isn't that interesting? We don't need to be rescued. We got no regret. We got nothing to worry about. Laughing stock is Noah. And Noah must have looked rather silly. His boat was in the desert. The desert was nowhere near the sea. And there wasn't even a cloud in the sky. Why would anyone need an umbrella, let alone a boat? How on earth did the story of Noah and the flood and the ark become one of the most popular children's stories known to man. That is the most dark, horrific, ugly. The, hey kids, best story. The whole world dies. Everybody except Noah, but all Noah's friends and extended family other than his three kids and their wives. All the kids died. Everybody died. Can you see him pounding on the ark? Let us in, but he cannot. They're all going to die. And the animals, there's a handful in pairs on the boat. All the other animals die. So Target is going to build a nursery design that you can go buy at Target and make it for your kids so they can grow up in the beauty of the greatest, most horrific catastrophe in human history. How on earth does that become a great children's story? But it is. But it's dark. 
And it's dark because that's what sin does. We left off last week. Sin destroys. It's destroying the best things in life. And I've heard people say, I don't regret my sin. And of course you don't. I mean, it's for literally people say, hey, I don't regret doing that. Okay. But of course you don't. Because the flood of judgment and consequence has not yet come. But it's coming. So look at what he says in Genesis. Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Mankind had decided to live without God and it kept getting worse and worse. So if we think it's bad now, how bad was it then? And it is bad now. So what is God's plan? We could go into all the details of chapter six, seven, eight, move to, and it'd be well worth it. And that was one angle of the teaching. Just unpack details and the size of the ark and why it scientifically makes sense and how Jesus believed that this is a true story. So when you believe in Jesus, you're going to have a challenge if you dismiss the story. And we can go into all the theology. And, and you know, what, what, what I landed on is what I think the Holy Spirit wants to teach us. It is the power of biblical knowledge upon which you build biblical values upon which you make biblical decisions. So let me walk us through what I think the Holy Spirit has for us today. Let me kind of give you the outline today. The biblical knowledge, sin always ends with regret. Jot it down, get it in your head, get it in your heart, wherever you're gathering, or if you're on the online community or 12 Stone Home, one of the camps is right here. Biblical knowledge, sin always ends with regret. And, with regret. and the story moves on. There's biblical values that get built on that. God always offers an ark. I mean, this, well, that's what we're supposed to get out of the story. God always offers an ark. And then biblical decisions, be ark builders with God. So let's talk about it. Let's take the first one. Sin always ends with regret. Now, many times, of course, when people say, oh, I don't regret what I've done. And let's just be honest. There are things that you've done that you say, well, I don't regret that. And that was fun. That was awesome. That was worth it. You, listen, you don't regret sin on the way to it or in it. You regret sin on the way back from it. That's when you regret. So we say, oh, I'm good. I'm, no, you're not good. Matthew McConaughey if you know him, famous actor. He tells the story of his older brother, Mike. He says Mike was in high school football team and was growing his hair out. And the coach finally said, you got to get a haircut. Either cut your hair or you're cut from the team. He's like, I ain't cutting my hair. You can cut me from the team. Now his dad is driving Mike to school on this particular day in high school. And on the drive, he says, son, quit being stubborn. Just cut your hair. And because they were semi-religious, his son said, Mike said to his dad, you know, Jesus had long hair. And it went silent in the car. And Mike thought he won. Finally corrected his dad, did what he wanted. As they arrived at the high school, instead of slowing down, dad just kept going. Two miles, four miles, six miles, eight miles. Eight miles from the school out in the rural, he stops the car. He leans over, good-sized guy, opens Mike's car door and shoves him out of the car. He said, um, 
Jesus also walked everywhere he went. <laughs> Shut the door and drove away. <laughs> Come on, parents. Doesn't that feel good? In fact, some of you are like, I wish I could have thought of that. <laughs> True story. His son was super late for school that day because <laughs> he had to walk eight miles back. Oh, and on the way, he stopped and got a haircut. <laughs> See, it wasn't on the way to his sin that Mike regretted defying his dad. It was on the way back from sin. It was that long eight-mile walk back where you realize that was not a good call. A whole bunch of us say we don't regret our sin, but, but you will. It's just that the flood of judgment has not yet come. But it's coming. Adam and Eve didn't really need to be told that they would regret. As soon as they got kicked out of the garden, like, oops. Meeting from the fruit, defying their father, no big deal. But as soon as they got kicked out of the garden, when you're getting kicked out of the garden, now you regret. You know when they probably regretted it more? When their oldest son, Cain, killed his younger brother, Abel. You know that story? That's just before Noah and the flood story. Whew. Maybe that's when Adam and Eve realized that the sorrows of today are often from the sins of yesterday. That's when you start regretting. And the sins that you're comfortably engaging in today are setting up your sorrows for the tomorrows. Just generally, not specifically. The less you sin, the less stupid you do, the less sorrow you set up for your tomorrow. Well, let me say it. Another way, the more I follow Jesus fully, the more full my life will be tomorrow. Cain killed Abel. And later, Cain regretted it. He didn't regret it in the moment. Cain offers a sacrifice to God. Abel offers a sacrifice to God. God says to, to, to Cain, hey, that, that's not going to do. He doesn't accept the sacrifice. Because listen, God defines how he will be worshipped. And we don't have all the details of what God had taught them. We learn it later in Scripture. But clearly there's an offering of first fruits to the living God. And, and Cain offered from his field some of it. Not the best, not the first, it appears. That's the best we can interpret that scripture. And, and, and Abel offered the first of his flock to God. And there was something about the first and the finest offered to God who is first. And God didn't accept Cain's offering. And here's what scripture says to Cain. If you do what is right, here's what God says to Cain. Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Listen, sin is crouching at everybody's door. There's always a moment where temptation is coming and telling you, be about yourself. Don't listen to your father's words. Go your own way. Bible isn't true. Jesus wasn't real. This, you can make your own decisions. You got freedom. You're not going to regret this. Eat from the fruit. Take your brother's life. Worship any way you want. Worship yourself. 
have an adulterous affair, have sex out of marriage, break your character, don't keep your word, keep your money, don't honor God with first fruits. Come worship anytime you want. This seven, every seven days is ridiculous. Have hatred in your heart. Be bitter. Be materialistic. It doesn't matter. Be about yourself. Sin crouches at the door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. The other most... It's just this a fascinating story, and there's so much. I man, it would be helpful if we talked, and we just it'd be way beyond our time. But why did Cain kill Abel? Abel didn't do anything. Is it as simple? Because it appears so. Is it as simple? As Cain claimed to be offended by Abel, that Cain's anger with his own choices and anger with God was taken out on Abel. Maybe he said, I'm offended by Abel. Abel, you're judging me. When Abel wasn't, Abel was just honoring God. Let me talk to you. If you're 30 and under, everybody else can listen. And let me talk to 30s and under. I've noticed that if you live in a world where you choose to avoid decisions that you will regret and honor God, in a world of people who make decisions of regret and dishonor God, they will be mad at you. And it will be as unjustified as Cain was offended by Abel. People don't like it. If you don't join them in their sin, they get ticked. That's part of the peer pressure you're under in this culture. And they'll use social media to help. They do not like people who worship God first as Abel did. I was at a party when I was in high school. A little small apartment. <laughs> the party was and. Somebody lit up a, a doobie. Weed. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Who brought the weed today? Who wants to share? Okay. No. Somebody's going to misinterpret that. Cut that from the teaching. That's, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I was at the party. Let me tell the whole story before you just cut. So I'm at the party. This is going to go wrong. I was at the party and somebody lit up a, a, a doobie and... and so they start passing around the room, and everybody takes a hit on it. I don't know how, but it was like, you could see them moving around the room. And it finally came to me, and so they handed me, the, the, and, and I passed it to the next person. And everybody's like, what are you doing? What do you mean what I'm doing? Passing along the duty, man. Eh? They said, no, 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 you got to take a toke. I said, no, I don't. Yeah, you do. If you're going to be with us, you're going to do what we do. I know I'm old man. I make my decision. You make your decisions. No, they got mad. They got mad because I would not join them. Do not pretend when the world says, hey, everybody's free. Do your own thing. Live your own way. We give everybody free. That is not true. They want you to join them. And if you don't join them, they're going to be mad at you. And listen, don't join them. Stand for God. 
Don't build a flood of regret to your future. The world keeps telling you, just sow your wild oats in high school and college. They're all lying to you. A flood of consequences and regret will come in your later life. Stand for God. And by the way, I'm no goody two-shoes. It's not like, oh, I'm the hero of the story. See, I passed the doobie. I had plenty of temptations, have sinned plenty in my life. Taking a toke on the doobie at that moment wouldn't have been the worst thing I ever did. I can tell you why I didn't do it. See, at that moment, I was in a little apartment because it was the apartment complex my dad lived in after the divorce. And I considered my life to be hell. And I'd already said, God, with our broken family and everything that's falling apart and my life just sort of sucks, if this is what sin does and sin leads to regret, then I'm going to pass on the doobie. I'm going to pass on sin because I don't want to live in regret. And I'm living in the regret of my dad. I don't want to build my own. God, could you give me a better life than this? That's why I passed on the doobie. You got to pass on things if you want the full life God has for you. Abel was making a pass on things. Why did Noah stand out? Because sin was crouching at the door in a complex generation. He decided to follow God. Stand tall for God 30 and under. I know it's a complex culture. But look at what God said about Noah. May he say that about you. But Noah found favor Grace in the eyes of the Lord. God's watching. God's engaging. God sees it's a corrupt culture. You're under pressure. Everybody's pushing against. Sin's crouching at the door. What are you going to do? Well, you know that sin always ends in regret. And because you know that, then this is how you follow God. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. That's how you follow God. That's how you stand tall. If you're 30 and under, I just want to encourage you, stand tall in a culture and God will notice and you will find favor with God. You do not have to live a life of regret. Amen. Good enough. All right. Biblical knowledge leads to biblical values, to biblical decisions. Let's talk about biblical values. God always offers an ark. This is awesome. Everybody read this with me. Loud, proud. This is so encouraging. God, what? Always offers an ark. One more time together, wherever you are listening in, say this with me. Ready? One, two, three. God always offers an ark. That's profound. Look at the scripture. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself a what? An ark. Huh. Listen, this is the God who provides arks. An ark is a rescue. It's a second chance. Listen, Noah wasn't perfect. He was born in sin. He had sin, but he was striving to please God. And at that time before Jesus ever came, this this is the mark of someone following God. So God's plan, listen, God's plan amidst our regret is rescue. Yay, God. (laughs) Don't you love that, God? And time out here. God is not the reason that the flood of judgment came. That's on us. Hang on. Hang on. 
Oh, the whole story is about the flood and what God did. Stop, stop, stop. God didn't bring the flood. God brought the ark. We're the reason the flood came. You get the story right. Let me help us like this. How many of you, I'll start. How many of you got, ever got less than an A in school, either in middle school or high school, hands up? If you're willing, in middle school or high school, okay. Keep them up if you're part of the group. You got less than an A. And you could say in a paper or a class, I'm going to go with class for me. How many of you got less than a B? My hand's still up. How many of you ever got less than a C? My hand's still up. I'm so proud of the rest of you who just sit there in your haughty little self-righteousness. I got a D minus in shop. How's that even possible? Because I had a run-in with the teacher and I didn't do a project. I was rebellious. I'm like, I'm not doing your stupid project. And he gave me a D minus. Now listen, listen. When I got that D minus on my report card, do you know what I told my mom and my friends? Keep listening. The teacher gave me a D minus. Same semester, I got an A in math. You know what I told my mom and friends? I got an A. In shop, the teacher gave me a D minus. In math, I got an A. Listen carefully. It is like us to blame somebody else for our failures and take credit for our success. We got a world of people blaming God for a flood that's all on us. God didn't bring the flood. God provided an ark. The real question is, why did God hold the floodgates back for so long? They were deserved a long time ago. Or maybe, maybe just put it in a thought. Fallen people were surprised there was a flood of judgment, but holy angels were amazed there was an ark of rescue. It's just how you see the story. See, Genesis 6 is an insight into God and God's plan. God always offers an ark. Here's the advice. Take the ark. <laughs> right? Tell your neighbor, take the ark. That, that's all we're saying here. Let me say this really quick and fast. Let me get, Jesus is kind of, if you will, like an ark. Do you get that? Like he's the rescue. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you believe in Jesus, you get to be released from your regret and get on the ark and spend eternity with him. What more do you want from God? Take the ark. Take the ark. That's like who he is. Like the church is supposed to be an ark and carriers of the ark. What sin is crouching at the door? Deal with it. Listen, when it comes to temptation, God gives an ark. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation is taking you such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you might endure it. God's telling you, listen, every temptation that comes your way when you're a follower of Christ, God will in the midst of temptation or trial say, here's your way out. Take the ark. Oh, sin overwhelm me. No, it didn't have to. You have God in you now. He gives you a way out. Take the way out. For your marriage. Oh, my marriage is crumbling, falling apart. Of course. Now take the ark of learning how to love one another in your marriage as Christ loved the church. 
It'll transform you. Take the ark of prayer. You need wisdom for work. Many of you have visions and dreams that God's given you bigger than yourself. You can't control. You can't provide for yourself. You got problems coming in that are bigger than you. Business, great. Pray. Take the ark. <laughs> the invitation of God for wisdom. Get prayer to deal with your fear and your anxiety and your uncertainty. Learn how to release that to God. It's part of the ark. Leading into Easter this year, Holy Week, we're going to have seven nights of prayer. Prayer is an ark. Learn the art and the invitation of God in prayer. Be a part of that. But listen, say it. At some point, the door closes. Hang on. You don't take the ark. At some point, the ark door closes. You don't come to God on your time and your terms. You come to God on his time and his terms. And if you do not, eventually the flood of judgment and consequence comes. And that is not a popular conversation. It's just true. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 24. And it was in the days, as it was in the days of Noah. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is going back to Noah. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to that day. Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Insert regret. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Let me interpret it for you. The story of Noah was true. The circumstances are the same today. We are in a world of corruption and violence and confusion and hatred and anger and self-justifying because we're all offended by everybody else. We're all playing Cain. Nobody's being honest to God about you have no right to go after Abel. But nonetheless, this is a messed up world. And it's a pending, waiting, coming flood of judgment. And you can't talk about it anymore. That's offensive. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I don't want to hear that. Well, I, I don't even understand why we're not having the conversations Jesus had. Judgment is coming. And once the door shuts, there is no ark for you. When you physically die, there's no ark. The door is shut. Of course, this is weighty and complex. I'm not telling you what you have to believe. I'm telling you what Jesus told us was true. And once you understand the value that God builds arks, then you join him. You make different decisions. Biblical decisions be ark builders with God. I'm going to rush through some thoughts. Be ark builders with God. Here's what. Don't build regret for yourself. Build an ark for others. Be a part of building arks that help rescue people from their coming regret or from ever building regret. Be about more than yourself. We were at an all staff, which is gathering all of our staff together, about 150 of us with residents gather. We do it once a month. We were having our new year all staff for 2022 this last Tuesday. And 
Pastor Jason and, and, and Dan Vanderwall. Dan Vanderwall is the executive pastor now, and he's alongside Jason, and this is the team that's rising. If you look around our church, we are one of the most blessed churches in the world with a rising generation of anointed, gifted spiritual leadership. It is a profound thing. And they are bringing this in the life of the staff to take the vision, the forward vision Jason and I talked about last October, and all that the church is entering into in this new season, and they were going to unpack the strategic plan and how the staff together is going to help be a part of how we as a congregation go make this happen by the, God's favor. It's awesome. It's fun. Now, while they wanted to go do this, Travis thought it would be a good idea if they did it in a more interview format. And Travis led it, and they did it as a hot sauce challenge, whereby they have to keep eating hotter and hotter sauces on their wings while they did the interview and talked. And rather than it building an arc of what we get to do together for the church to rescue people, it became more about regret. I was so entertained. They had no idea where the teaching was going specifically this week that I just have to give you out of the 40 minutes, I'm going to give you a summary, 83 seconds of your enjoyment. And by the way, JB, Jason knew what was coming. He said it right off the top. Enjoy. Now, what are we doing up here, uh, Jason? Why don't you kind of set the stage for where we're going? Well, a little bit. We are going to be full of regret and shame for the yep. rest of the day. Uh, here's what we're doing. A, um, a hot sauce challenge. Have you ever seen these online where they eat increasingly hot wing sauce as they have a bit of an interview? It looks this, is the, this is the Tame to Insane Challenge box. It has 11 different uh, flavors, oh, okay? So you Bro. can see this. I won't tell you what they're all named, but I will say that number 11 is the bowels of hell. That's the last one. And it's just an eyedropper. I'm not even kidding. I have ruined all of our afternoons. And I'm really, if you're in a meeting with them, just grace, okay? They're not gonna be in there more than 15 minutes at a time, I promise. Back to you, Dan. Oh. Were you done? Were you done or did you have more? You I'm really sorry. Talking. I, 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 I'm just, Are you not in physical pain? I'm just going to lay here for a while. Not, not hurting I feel like I have a mouth full of fire ants. Like I literally just took a bite out of an anthill. There you go. There's your spiritual leadership taking staff to the next level. Did you hear Jason talking to Dan? Are you in physical pain right now? <laughs> I had a meeting with Travis uh, a couple hours later, and he did not show. True story. He went home. Listen, God has all sorts of things that he's inviting us to do, which is building arcs for others. Don't build regret for yourself. Take the release from regret through Jesus, and let's be a part of building arcs for others. That's the encouragement. Building an ark for others is doing what Jesus did. Look, here's, here's what Scripture says. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, and he went around doing good because God was with him. He went around doing good. That's what I mean by building an ark. By building an ark, you get beyond yourself and care about others. By building an ark, you, you value others and you add value to others. By building an ark, you, you help people understand who Jesus is. You help them uh, uh, protect themselves from future regret, and, and you, you help them get over the, the, the regret that they have. I mean, you, you just, I, I started listing all the things. It's just a list, and then we're, I'm going to pray for it. We're going to be done. Just let me give you the list. In great part, we're called as a church 
to build arcs. When we invite people to church, to come to Jesus, to come to a campus, to come to 12 Stone Home, to be 12 Stone uh, online community, to jump into the faith conversation, that is helping them build an ark. Just, just, that's what I mean by we build an ark together. When we open a new campus like we're going to in Jackson County and in, in Jefferson area, that, that's building an ark together to, to rescue people from regret. When we partner to serve homeless in Gwinnett, which we do heavily as a church, that's, that's helping build an ark. When, when we do the jambos things for foster kids, that, that's an ark. When we fill food banks, that's, that's an ark. When we bring calculators in for thousands of kids in the territory, over $50,000 worth by your generosity, that's an ark. When you show up and serve kids and build into them faith for the next generation in middle school and high school, that's like, that's building an ark. When you serve re-engage that helps restore and build marriage, that's like building an ark. When you help with 12 stone prison ministry, by the way, we do not have time for this, but I'm going to get it because I got texted this last night when I was doing some prep. All right. This is from a 12 stone friend. I spoke with a man today who did 27 years in prison. I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years. And he saw my 12 stone decal for the first time and his eyes teared up. He asked if I was a member of 12 stone. And I told him that I was. And he said that in the time he was incarcerated, there was no prison ministry to compare with 12 stones. According to him, they came out there and just loved on us. And he made a statement. As he made the statement, he performed an air hug. Thank you, 12 Stone, for loving us when we are in the worst places of life. Come on now. Give it up. Yay, God. That's a beautiful thing. That's what I mean by building an ark. Equip. We host John Maxwell's Equip organization right here at Sugarloaf. We help fund it, source it. We have our small part in the size of what God is doing. Do you know this past year, over 100,000 people through Equip have come to faith in Jesus. Are you kidding me? Over 100,000 people? That's what I mean by being a part of building an ark. We plant another church. That's building an ark. By the way, let me just tell you, one church is planting today. So we're partnering and building one church today for the one dot church. You want to look it up and check it out. Today is their grand opening in Indy, just above Indy. Young man, Andy Ramirezma. We're so proud of him. They're in service. While I'm teaching, he's teaching. I got texted from, from Andy Brightbill, who's up there on our behalf. And he said, already they're doing a nine o'clock. They have a little small chapel of seats, about 100, 150. They're doing a 9 o'clock, an 11 o'clock, and a 1 o'clock. Already, they have over 100 people at the very first service of the three they're doing. That's one 12 stone had for years. Yay, God. See, that's building an ark. We got men gathering together on Wednesdays to learn how to bring spiritual life and weekly devotion to the life of their kids. And in the experience of that, there's stories like out at Flowery Branch and out of Flowery Branch, Josh Ivy and yay for Flowery Branch. Guy was invited, came in, didn't have a relationship with Christ, been hanging out on the fringes. Finally, after that gathering of the men learning how to do kind of devotion with the family, he said, can I sit down and talk to you? They spent an hour together, and Glenn came to Jesus. Come on, church. That's a beautiful thing. A guy in his late 40s, God's transforming. That's, that's getting him on the ark. Brazelton, another guy says, I got to, you know what? I got to change my calendar and calls his office and says, I need to reset my, set my calendar. I need three hours on Wednesday morning. I know it puts some risk in play, but I got to be a part of this. Look, it doesn't just happen. You got to invest. Snellville, four guys end up in a small group together in the midst of this and discover all four of them come from broken families and families 
disconnected from their fathers. And they said, let's band together. Let's be brothers and let's build an ark for our families and for our kids. Let's give them a future like Noah did. They're guys who don't have time because of work can't get there. So they're gathering over to the high school in Decula, 17 men on Wednesday mornings, figuring out how to become spiritual leaders in their home. Let's bring it to you. What's God stirring? Sin always leads to regret. Where do you need to quit building regret in your life? Maybe this is where you finally say, I got to come to Jesus. When we say text Jesus to 37748, maybe you don't even have the answer yet, but we'll help you understand how to come to faith in Jesus. Maybe it's realizing God offers the ark and it's time for you to say yes. Choose the ark. Maybe it's to be an ark builder and you say, God, where can I help build an ark for others? Man, get beyond yourself and be a part of what God is doing among us. So I'm going to turn the service over to the campus pastors. I'm going to pray over you as you wrestle with God. God, what are you stirring in me? Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.